Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hello and welcome to Excellence Expected. My name as ever is Mark Asquith. This week I have something that is playing on a lot of employers' minds at the moment. How to deal and integrate with Generation Y. The millennials, the guys that actually are starting to make the decisions in big business and the people that really, really matter. Now, the more I speak to people in the course of Excellence Expected, the more this topic comes up. Listen, we have a set of people, the baby boomers, Generation X, who perhaps have different values to the millennials out there. And actually different values, different passions, different desires, and actually different motivators. And this week, that's something that I'm going to look at with my guest in quite a lot of detail. My guest this week is someone that focuses entirely on Generation Y and the millennial generation and how best to work with those guys and travels across the United States speaking and conferencing on this kind of topic. So with me this week is Mr. Ryan Jenkins. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Mark. Oh, real pleasure, real pleasure. Now, this is such an interesting topic, isn't it? It's obviously, it's something that keeps you busy day in, day out. Is it something that is growing in terms of, you know, its importance every single day? You know, I, I'd like to think so, absolutely. And, and, you know, when you're in the space that I am surrounding generations, you're never at a loss for content, right? The generations just keep on coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not running out of people, That is uh, that is for sure. And as I say, I know it keeps you busy. You are a, you are a speaker, an accomplished speaker in, in the United States. And before we start to talk about Generation Y, let's just actually dig into your own background, Ryan. Where did you come from? How did you get into this kind of industry? Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, to get into the speaking world um, makes a lot of people uh, go cross-eyed and scratch their head wondering why I would do such a thing to myself. <laughs> um, as public speaking tends to be one of the top fear of, of most individuals. Um, but really had humble beginnings. I grew up in Colorado, which is a state on the western side of the United States. Beautiful, uh, beautiful state. And uh, went to college in the, in the U.S. and studied marketing and entrepreneurship. And always had an entrepreneurial flair, and always, always, um, always wanted to be a business owner, and had a few small things here and there that I did, and, and tended to be a pretty good salesperson as well. And so after college, I, I got a job with um, a large technology company and was doing sales for them. So I moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, and started to just do some some sale selling, and it was really high tech, high, high complex solution selling. And it wasn't long, Mark, until I got into the to the corporate world that I was just deflated. I just I felt like, you know, I had so much aspirations, I had so much drive, I had so much passion, but I felt like all of that quickly fizzled under the thumb of poor leadership. And I was a student of leadership. I grew up leading teams, sports teams, and different organizations, and so I I understood stood it well. And then finally, it wasn't until I was in the corporate world that I really figured out that, gosh, it, you know, why isn't anyone putting stuff into practice? Why isn't this a reality? And so, you know, for a while there, I wrestled with it. And, and eventually I just said, you know, I guess this is, is how it's supposed to be. And so I kind of swept all of my aspirations under a rug and thought, uh, maybe someday. Um, but the more I started interacting with some of my friends and peers around the country in different organizations, they were experiencing the same kind of 
angst in the in the workplace. And um, I, I thought, well, sh- I, you know, I'm not the only one here. Has this just happened to every you know new person, new employee into a company? Um, and the more I kind of dug into it, the more I started figuring out and piecing together that it really seemed to be a generational uh, and culture shift, and that there was this new generation of 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 uh, that had a different skill set than than ever before. And we had access to the internet and technology that has never been available. And we're just a different breed of generation and, and essentially human beings. Um, and so a lot of the existing organizations and existing leaders just didn't have the appropriate infrastructure to really um, lead that generation well. And so really my business was born out of my own burden, um, you know, X amount of years ago. And so um, the last uh, two or three years, I, I've just been slowly honing my craft and really pinpointing and, and f- fleshing out what it is that um, we can help leaders and organizations with. So that's kind of the the early beginnings of of how we, uh, how it all got all, all began. If that uh, if that makes sense and helps, it does. And I think it's so admirable that you actually took control of of your own destiny. Essentially, you know, it's it's a story that you hear so much and. When I talk to my grandparents or my parents, you know, it's almost accepted that it's all right to be unhappy in your job because, well, no one likes working, surely. (laughs) (laughs) And you've taken control of that. And it's something that people are doing more and more and more. And some Mm -hmm. of the most successful entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, of recent times have done the self-same thing, haven't they? They've taken control. And is it something that you find is becoming more common in, in I guess in the people that you meet, are you are you encouraged by that shift? Is that something that you see quite a lot of in your industry? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, um, and I, you know, I, I use the millennials as really a, an illustration, and really, the, I think they're just the signpost of all of the change that's ahead. Mark, you know, I'm not convinced that it, a lot of the stuff that I talk about is d- because of the millennials. I really just think we're all of us are going through a culture shift uh, because of technology, social media, the internet. It's just causing so much turbulence and disruption in, in so many industries. Um, and so th- uh, there is just so much more resources. There's so many, so much more ripe opportunity for one individual to step out and, and create a business or create a personal brand or whatever it may be and pursue their passion. So it's easier now than ever before. And I really think that the millennials are, are most capable of, of really, um, jumping into that space because a lot of them already have kind of the digital savviness to really kickstart their, um, uh, their business or their, their passion. I think that digital savvy side of things is so, so vital, isn't it? It's one of the things that certainly the next generation are going to benefit from so much because everything will be delivered with so much more confidence and so much more, you know, to use the word from manufacturing, the rapid prototyping side of things where you can test an idea, you can test even a business idea at so little cost. I mean, we spoke in the, the pre-interview chatter about setting up a podcast. I mean, it's so low cost, isn't it? And yeah. you can apply that to businesses. It's right. unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you can basically go down to uh, your local coffee shop and plug into the Wi-Fi for free and, and you know, start a, a website and, and market it to the world through social media. So and it's, it's, uh, it's just incredible what you can do out there. Yeah, I think sometimes we take that for granted, don't we? The guys that work in it every single day. If you imagine the big switch going off one day and it becoming a little Stephen King, you you can imagine that we would all really, really struggle with that because we rely on that digital so, so much. And it, 
Yeah. I think we do sometimes take it for granted, but the power is it's in our fingertips, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the power is there. And, and um, you know, it, I think it's a double-edged sword as well. I mean, I, I interact with a lot of senior leaders that are pulling their hair out trying to to figure out how to market and, and lead the next generation of Generation Y millennials. Um, and, and, you know, so it's, it's some of the older generations that, that aren't as savvy in the digital space, which, you know, they've got to get there because uh, it's not slowing down. This isn't a fad, right? It's only the, the change and the amount of, of flux that we're going to see is only going to intensify from here on out. Um, so those folks, I, I call it, you need to be, you need to be a, a double threat. So the, the non-millennials that aren't, don't have savvy digital communication skills, they need to acquire those and also hang on to their face-to-face and interpersonal skills. And then also the emerging generation, they need to become a double threat. They need to work on some of their face-to-face public speaking, interpersonal skills, and couple with that digital savviness and, and, and their, um, you know, their effective digital communications. I think that's so, so valuable. And obviously that, that's why we're here to talk today, actually, isn't it, Ryan? So we, we're thinking about the listeners out there that are perhaps senior leaders or business owners owning a, a small to medium enterprise. And, you know, considering how can a business shape its future around this generation? Why? And I think the first thing really is to actually understand what makes those guys tick. So from your perspective, for the listeners out there, what is a millennial? What is a generation Y? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, you know, bare bones, they're, they're typically born in the eighties and nineties, uh, depending on kind of what study uh, you look at. But, but from, from my perspective, I go anyone that's born in the eighties and nineties. So at this point they're born you know, any ages from 14 to 34, which is a, uh, a really um, wide range, you know, a 32 year old, is going to be a lot different than a 15 year old, uh, no matter where you are. Um, and I do believe that generations sh- shouldn't be in the, the uh, typical 20 year span anymore. Just there's so much change and there's so much more high exposure these days. I really think generations should be measured in five to maybe 10 year increments. Um, but I'm not the guy that decides that. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just rolling with it. Um, so that's, a, that's the millennial uh, 80s and 90s. And really they, they, they grew up with um, just in the age of, of, uh, you know, the internet, right? And so they, they, they're digital natives. They've never had to adapt to technology. It's just all they've ever known. So it's in their DNA. And so there's so many different expectations that they now bring into the workplace based on their upbringing, right? Back in, you know, the, the early days in middle school or high school, they were on AOL, they were chatting with friends and, um, you know, interacting with people around the world um, Google, right? They had Google in high school and they were using Google to, to, for the legwork of their projects. And so, you know, this is the first generation that doesn't look to teachers or parents as the authority, but rather they look to the internet as the authority. And, and because of that, they just approach problems in a whole different way than their, than their elders. Um, and so there's just all these little different things. Facebook, right? Just made them more uh, social and, and, willing to, to, to share things online. Um, and so there's just been, you know, blogging, podcasting, all these things have really infused, infused in them a different type of, of employee. Now they, they've kind of come into the workforce as a, as a, you know, uh, someone that a lot of leaders don't recognize. And I always tell my audiences, you know, that the millennials aren't intentionally trying to aggravate you. And uh, usually gets a really good chuckle because everyone <laughs> they are, they, they're, they're a bit aggravating because we don't quite understand them. And so I think the first thing that really comes to mind, Mark, is, is it starts with awareness. So it's starting to understand that, all, you know, they're not 
they're not this way or they don't, they're not um, trying to aggravate you on purpose, but they've had all these different things happen throughout their life that have made them who they are. Um, and we can really dive into some of those uh, unique parts of that. But um, kind of from a overall perspective, um, I would say the, the underlining thing for this generation, probably the most optimistic um, uh, about the most optimistic thing about this generation is their significant seekers. They want, they want to find meaning in their work and they want to find meaning behind the brands that they do business with. And they just want to find meaning with the relationships they have. So they're very, they very, they lead with the heart in so many cases. So I would say that's a, hopefully a good overview of kind of uh, the millennials and how they came to be who they were or they are today. I love that that entire definition. And I think that resonates so much with not only the experience that I've had personally, but also some of the business leaders that I've spoken to and that I know in my in my business life. But the interesting thing from all of that that I took as a real, a real snippet that I had actually never considered before is that you're right. These guys don't think of teachers and parents and grandparents as the authority figures they once did. And that's not necessarily to say that it manifests in a disrespectful way. It's just that, as you say, they are active seekers of other information. So perhaps they can judge things for themselves at a much younger age than they perhaps would have done 10, 15 years ago. That's a, a huge, huge, a huge point that I'd actually never considered before. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of revealing itself in, in different ways in the workplace. But yeah, they're a generation that's had answers at their fingertips from from day one. And so, you know, if you're a if you're a brand trying to reach that generation, um, unique experiences are a big deal because they want they, they want the stuff that they can't get through Google. Right. They want unique stuff that no one else has experienced before. And then they want to experience that. Then they're going to go blog about it and tell all their friends about it. So, um, you know, if you can tap into that kind of unique experience, one of a kind experiences from a branding perspective, it, it works wonders for the millennial generation. Do you know, really interestingly, that reminds me of um, bizarrely a comic. There's a, a really high quality indie comics company called New World's Comics who has okay. a title called Winter, which is W-Y-N-T-E-R. And the chap that writes it, Guy Hassan, I've interviewed him for another podcast over at Two Shots to the Head. And the entire premise of this comic series is there are so many people out there with so much instant access to information that everyone wants to feel special. They want this unique experience. And everything that you said there, it's bizarre because Guy Hassan captures that so well in what he paints as actually quite a dystopian future. And the, the, the parity between what you've said there and the way that that's portrayed is startling, to be honest. Um, that's, that's really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you know, there's, there's just, there's so many different viewpoints on, on, you know, how connected we are these days. Is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? And, you know, you look at kids these days, I mean, they're just buried in technology. Right. And so it just, it gets the gears turning as to, you know, what's our culture going to look like in five, 10, 15 years when, uh, the, the youngest generation, Generation Z, is, you know, coming into the workplace. It's just going to be, <laughs> it'll be fun to watch. Let's just leave it at that. We'll be old enough to sit back and relax and watch it all going uh, going to carnage yeah. at that point. <laughs> That's really, yeah. <laughs> I love that. We'll be sat there with a beer. That's what we'll do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So interestingly, that that's a really good definition, as you say. That's fantastic. And I think for a lot of listeners out there that 
are perhaps struggling with that aggravation, that's that's a real deep insight into what you know what makes a millennial. But let's think a little bit further around what actually drives these guys. So what what values do the millennial generation hold dear? What really drives these guys forward? Yeah, I think um I think one of the the one that stands out to the most, I think, is this idea of authenticity and transparency. Um, you know, the millennials came into the world bombarded by ads, right? They came into a world that where there was ads everywhere, and um, they've 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 got really good BS detectors now. Now that they're you know um, in the working world, they they can smell a phony from miles and miles away. And they grew up too watching leaders and athletes fall off their pedestals because of, you know, exposure to, to things that, uh, um, you know, weren't good things. And so this idea of transparency and authenticity really, really uh, resonates with this generation. Um, I would also say that innovation, right, they're a, they're a digital savvy group. And so they want to follow innovative companies. They want to go work for innovative companies. They want to go work for innovative leaders. And they themselves are innovators. A lot of them are have entrepreneurial aspirations. And so they want to contribute. They want to uh, share their ideas. They want to move things forward. Um, and also customization, right? They, they, <laughs> they grew up in a world where they could post a YouTube um, or I'm sorry, they could, they, they could basically what customize their t-shirt, their shoes, their cars, whatever it may be, they could, um, they could just customize. And so now they're looking for customizable career tracks and they're looking for environments where they can customize really to cater to their needs. Um, and it's not necessarily an entitlement thing. It's just kind of, that's been available to them from very early on. And so that's somewhat of an expectation they have now in the workplace. Um, and then the final one I would say is, is collaboration. Um, they're heavily, heavily persuaded by their peers and so they love to, to collaborate um, and, and be in groups and, and, and group think and move things forward and tap into their social networks and leverage their social networks to, you know, crowdsource um, ideas or, 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 or um, you know, work on projects together. So um, those are some of the values that they hold true. And, and if you can figure out ways to incorporate those in your work culture or into your uh, branding and marketing uh, tactics, um, that will bode well for you and your brand. It's so interesting to actually hear that because we all, you know, they're realistically, they're especially point three there, that customizable kind of career path and and the collaboration, you know, that that's kind of a, for a lot of people in business and especially senior leaders, that's almost a pipe dream, isn't it? You know, you mm. become generation X or baby boomers. You, you've kind of just trod this line and you've walked this path for so long that actually you just sometimes you are just in the business world and you can't quite see a way to actually begin to enjoy that again. But the customization, the collaboration, that generation Y, the millennials have come to, as you rightly state, expect from their careers. It's something that a lot of people can only really aspire to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is different thinking now, right? I mean, there's, there's, senior leaders and, and folks in the work world, um, that have been there 20 plus years. And if you, you know, if you were to ask most millennials, if they envision themselves at the same company for 20 plus years, they, it'd probably fall over, um, <laughs> just laugh at you. I mean, the average tenure for a millennial is, is two years. Um, and so they're, they're, they're jumping around and, and that the number one reason they leave an organization is the lack of career opportunity. 
And so they are, they're, they're, they're looking for that opportunity. They're hungry. They want to keep working. And what we're seeing is a lot of leaders aren't communicating, um, the options, right? Hey, if you get to, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, then you can perhaps move in this direction or that direction. And, you know, they don't really invest the time in helping, helping to kind of construct, um, and customize the career track for these millennials, um, helping them trying to envision, them being there within that organization. Um, rather they're, they're still kind of resting on legacy thinking and traditional corporate, um, uh, you know, leadership tactics. And they're just saying, wait your turn, wait your turn, sideline, sideline. And that's so lethal nowadays. Cause like we've talked about, if you sideline talent, especially this young generation, that's got a lot of energy and creative ambition, they're going to go start their own business on the side. And you're going to experience these creative and energy leaks in your organization and it's going to be uh detrimental it's a really interesting point that you make there about this this whole side project the side businesses that there's a, a much more of a propensity for generation y to actually dig in and start to carry out their own projects and have the confidence to do that it's something that you see more and more in so many businesses that Actually, when you consider some of the biggest businesses, especially the tech startups, you know, a lot of them were just started on the side because someone somewhere needed to either solve a problem or simply just vent some creativity. It's really, really interesting to be in this, um, I guess, the revolution or certainly the evolution Mm. of the workforce. And I think, as you say there, you know, people that follow that traditional corporate path perhaps don't quite know how to harness that power, do they? They don't know how to keep hold of that creativity and focus it and direct it in a way that benefits their own traditional business. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think it just all starts with awareness, you know, and we, we kind of got to pick our heads up out of the piles and piles of work and responsibilities that we now have, each of us have, and kind of pick our heads up and go, you know, where are we? Where is, what's the landscape of my industry and, and what's next? And, and how do we start casting some vision and, and bringing up more leaders and investing and serving, um, the folks inside of organization, um, instead of just, yeah, just trudging along business as usual, because things have changed and this is just the tip of the iceberg. Things are going to drastically, drastically continue to change in the future. And so it's the leaders and the organizations that are, that aren't poised and they're not agile, um, that are really going to be suffering, I think in the future. So, you know, the undercurrent, I think all of this, Mark, is, is really change management and just being, just being ready to change and being, uh, being agile in your thinking and in your skills because um, it's just things are only going to continue to just evolve and quickly change. And we've just got to be really nimble these days. Absolutely. I love the idea of that agility as a business. You see it so much, again, back to the tech startups. You see businesses change paths so much because they've been given the confidence to chop, change, fail, test. Mm-hmm and so on and so forth. And that, it must be so difficult for someone that is so established, a 20, 25-year-old business that has always traded so well. Suddenly this influx of new talent, suddenly this, this influx of actually people who are in the 30s now and are now beginning to seep into top-level management positions and actually decision-making positions. It must be difficult to kind of balance that internally, especially when you do have this mix of generations starting to clash. It's It's... It's really interesting to see how within most businesses, this is now beginning to occur, no matter the size of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's really interesting. I, I find it fascinating, to be honest. And 
One thing I do want to touch on is the this whole. It feels like a complementary revolution around this whole uh, that the measure of success. So when you when you think about people like your Tim Ferrisses of the world who. You know, they advocate these mini retirements as opposed to working and spending all your life saving to enjoy a pot of money at the end of it. You know, this is a very <laughs> different, it's a very different value set, isn't it? So how do, how do Generation Y tend to measure their success? How do they figure out whether they're achieving what they want to achieve? Yeah, it's a great, um, great question. And, you know, it does, it, it is different. I mean, you think, um, you know, typically baby boomers and generation X in the past have really measured success, uh, based on the things they've acquired, right? A promotion, a certain job title, a house, a home, a boat. And so kind of looking at, yes, you know, I'm, I'm keep moving up. I keep acquiring things, um, which isn't bad. You know, certainly that's, uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their measure of success by all means. Um, but for millennials, it's it's really more about the meaning. I know we touched on it a little bit before, but it's really about the meaning. How, what kind of impact are they having? How are they, you know, impacting society or culture uh, through their job or day to day activities? And what I think kind of brings this point home, Mark, is is um, you know, in the past we've kind of looked and evaluated work, or, or we've kind of um, you know the, some of the non millennials have viewed work or measured work by tenure. So how, how much time do you put into work, right? So we just keep putting our time in and then we get that gold watch, like, <laughs> you know? And so that, that was kind of a, you know, that was a kind of looked at as, as, as you know, stability was a good thing and loyal and, and all those things. But it's, it's changed now, right? And so as millennials, as you kind of touched on too, as, as these millennials get more into influential leadership positions, as they build more businesses that are influential in the marketplace, I think we're going to see that trend really shift. And what millennials measure work on, they really measure the work on how much heart they put into it. So, you know, they might not be showing nine to five, you know, they're not just going to show up to show up and just, you know, punch the clock, but they want to come in and actually put their heart into something, how much sweat they're going to put into something. And that's how they really derive meaning from, from their work. It's really how much of their heart's in it. And so as soon as their heart's out of it, uh, they're going to be looking for a, for a different job. And so it's a different dynamic switch. And so now, you know, it, we're, we're seeing a lot of work environments. The borders are, are being, uh, you know, alleviated, right? I mean, we can work from anywhere in the world and, and we can work virtual and millennials are working till three, four, five in the morning and then not going to work until or plugging into work till 11 or 12. Right. So it's a different form of work, but technology has enabled that. Um, and so folks are just kind of working at will and really just trying to find the, po the times in the workday where they're most productive and where they can be the most creative and passion, put the most passion behind in their work. So um, hopefully that answers your question around measuring success. I think it's so important that everything that you've said there is is not about things, it's about passion. I think that's the one thing that I sort of take away from all that. And it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. I mean, I was born in 82, so I'm kind of, I, I guess, the early generation Y, and I never understood, to be honest. <laughs> I never understood what the hell was wrong with me. <laughs> Because I left, I mean, everything you said, it freaks me out. If I'm absolutely honest, it's like you're in my mind. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I left jobs after two years and I'm, I'm talking almost to the week left the last three permanent jobs I had within two years. 
um, wow. and and constantly battled against, you know, the establishment that told me that I had to be there at eight thirty in the morning until four thirty five p.m. on an evening, because I knew I wasn't as effective. I I knew that I worked better between say around two p.m. and about eight thirty nine p.m. at night. Right, and. I thought there was just something wrong and I had to fit a round peg, which was myself, into a square hole that frankly was just never going to work. And being on the early end of that and, you know, sort of going through this flux myself, the leaders that I were working with and the the people that were, I guess, the managers of me when I was at that stage in my career, they didn't quite understand how to deal with that. I was just the aggravation. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's so refreshing and it's so... It's so confidence building for anyone listening out there that perhaps feels that they don't want to tread that path. They don't want to tread the old nine to five. They don't want to do what they're told to do. They want to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I think the culture is so fantastic now that we're actually embracing that and we're allowing people to take that upon themselves. And actually, we're actually trusting them to do it as well, which I think is huge. Right. Yeah, we're seeing some of the most established, you know, big fortune you know, 100 global companies um, start to really shift their culture and kind of embrace this because they know, you know, as soon as you put borders around a borderless generation, they're going to go work somewhere else, right? And so, you know, it's either you can continue to fight it or you can begin embracing it and and pulling some really key talent into your business. That issue around talent is something that's come up quite a lot, actually. It's, it's something that we spoke about on a previous episode with Louisa from from Benchmark. And Louisa works in, in recruitment, and, and Louisa mentioned around, listen, guys, you can't really interview the millennials. It's very difficult to interview a Generation Y candidate for your business because, actually, they've not always been taught how to interview. So, actually, someone <laughs> that has has the best talent, has the most impact and the most effectiveness, the most passion and desire may just be extremely shy. Sure. Therefore, he's not going to do too well in interviews. And Louisa echoed everything that you said around, you know, the trust, the freedom, the flexibility and trying to tap into that passion. And I think as an employer myself, it's, it's sometimes difficult to trust that advice because you are, as a business owner, you are you're told that you need to interview. You're told that you need to do things a certain way. And actually giving someone a test project or working with them for a week or a month in a real-life environment is so much more effective. But even as a business owner that needs to do that, it's so difficult to, to shift from what has always gone before. Is that something that comes up as you're speaking to business leaders quite often or is it something that you know people are dealing with now? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think really what we're getting at here is communication. And, um, you know, we touched on that a little bit before, but yeah, the millennials, they get, um, they get ragged on for, for, for missing, uh, you know, a lot of miscommunications. And so, yeah, if, you know, an interview, um, if you can peel them away from their mobile device for, <laughs> for 30 <laughs> minutes for an interview or whatever, yeah, they might not be as engaged or as have the interpersonal skills that you, you would want, um, I guess, um, for your business, but some of the things that we're seeing organizations do and what seems to be working well, you know, we're seeing this shift from, um, you know, t- to more remote and project-based type work. 
So again, organizations, they understand, hey, geez, I'm only going to get two years out of this millennial. I'm going to just, I'm going to, you know, create this project that, that we estimate is going to be, you know, one to two to three years. And we're going to hire some young talent for it. And they're just going to crush that project. And then we, we expect them to leave after that. And so we're seeing kind of a shift there. So a lot of organizations are actually just bringing in um, young talent and the millennials and having them do more project-based work or just a couple week projects or something. And that kind of serves as the interview, right? So you can really kind of see their feet on the ground, how they work in teams, the, the actual results of, of their work. Um, and that seems to be a little bit more tangible because a lot of the stuff, like you said, sometimes it's you know, if you're trying to sell, uh, you know, hire a salesperson, obviously you want someone that can connect and genuinely do all those things. But if you need a digital marketer, that might be a different story. So, you know, some of this rests on the organizations and the leaders to really pinpoint and hone down what exactly skills are they looking for. Um, but just know that too, that, that, you know, whether it be a co-op or small projects to pull folks in on or, you know, hackathons or doing something to where you can get more hands on and they can actually execute against something to give you some real data to evaluate if they'd be a fit for your business versus just chatting with them for 30 minutes. I love that. I think that's, that's a real sign of the times. And it feels, it feels almost as if the, the, the old traditional hierarchical values of a business, uh, you know, no matter what level are starting to become, well, are starting to dissolve, you know, the, the leaders of today are talking at grassroots level with the talent of today and the leaders of tomorrow. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of partnerships that are beginning to form as opposed to this, I am the boss, you are the employees, very mm -hmm. much around, well, listen, guys, what do you think about this? How would you approach this? Which I think is so important for a business owner to actually respect and, and you know, not, not hold age as a problem, you know, a lot of, a lot of traditional interviews and a lot of traditional, um, linear career paths depended largely on age and just disregarded talent. And I think the fact that that is disappearing is, is fantastic for new talent. It's so, so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the other things as well that I pick out from all of that is that, that communication side. And one thing that I did want to, to pick up on really is in your experience, as you're traveling around the US and you're, you know, you're giving your talks and you're speaking to these business leaders, how are those guys managing to create a culture inside their organizations where this kind of working or this kind of nurturing of a generation Y is accepted? How, how are they managing to manage that business cultural change element of things? Yeah. Oh gosh, it comes in so many different forms and fashion. I mean, you can, you can um, talk about you know, the actual ambiance, if you will, of your office, the actual layout, right? We're seeing so many, you know, if you, they've done studies to where if you gave millennials a bunch of open desks and chairs and to rearrange uh, to their liking, um, you know, in, a, in an office space, um, a majority of the time they actually uh, put, a, put the desk in circles. And so they, they, they want to intentionally collaborate. And so they, they, they see a lot of value in that. Um, and they've done studies too, to where if you're sitting, you know, in, in cubes, but the walls are low enough to where you can actually connect eye to eye with certain folks, it tends to build trust. And again, the millennials value that authenticity. So it's kind of that, again, that borderless idea or transparency, um, that, that, that resonates with millennials. Um, so, you know, there's the actual layout of your business, um, 
you know, I think one of the other things too is millennials hate hierarchy. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, they just, they, they, cause again, they have ideas that they want to contribute and they also, they have, they have unique skill sets that not a lot of other generations have. And so they have a lot to offer. And, and so if you can find ways to tap into that and, and give them a voice and outlets to, to hustle hard and to, to put their ideas to, to, to use, um, that, that, that works well. So, um, and then again, you think about this idea of, of a unique one of a kind experience. How do you create experiences inside your business for your teams that, that they can't get anywhere else? Right. I mean, uh, Zappos, which some of your listeners might, might be familiar with, is a uh, they're a, a shoe company here in the states, based at at uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, they're one of the most like most customer service centric businesses out there. And Tony Tony Shea, who's the uh, CEO, they they got bought by Amazon a couple of years ago, but they have just these cr- crazy cool workspaces. You'll see like llamas coming in and out of other workspaces every now and then. They focus on development. So you can go choose a book from the bookshelf, read the book, and then do a presentation uh, to your colleagues about some of your key learnings, and you get paid for, to do that. Um, so there's there's little – and then the other thing too is um, Tony Shea is actually he's, – he's toying with this idea of, of basically eliminating hierarchy within their business – so really, no one would really have necessarily any titles or rank on anybody. And it would just be this, everyone's on the same plane. Everyone can contribute. Everyone needs to bring ideas and just let's just hustle together, create create projects and execute in small teams. And so it's a fascinating kind of uh, theory at this point. But um, I'll be anxious to see where that goes because that's really kind of what um, – what millennials are looking for in culture. They want that innovativeness. They want the collaboration, the customization. Um, and so I think uh, it, it comes in different forms, but you kind of got to figure out what works best for your organization. But hopefully some of those examples can get the gears turning for some of your listeners. That's such a good answer. And one of the big things that I take from that personally is this idea of confidence. If you are if you are a business leader that perhaps is thinking about trying to harness this generation why passion and power, you know, having the confidence to just try something that, that is outside of your own comfort zone. You know, we all hear the inspirational chatter, that read the inspirational books from all the great thought leaders in the world. And one of the biggest things that comes out of those is do something different, change your habits, even if it's such a small mindset tweak. And this is such a powerful version of that. If you can just tweak your mindset just slightly to be open to more collaboration or, mm-hmm. you know, removing the hierarchy. You know, it's, it's so radical, but actually it starts with the confidence to change, doesn't it? And I think if business owners that are struggling with this can just implement one thing, it right. being that confidence to try something new and to, to bring people onto the same level in the same plane, that has got to be so valuable for a business. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just imagine. I mean, you know, you could probably use any of your listeners, any of their unique um um, situations that, you know, how much more willing are you willing to contribute if you, if you know that the input you give is going to be considered and valued, you're going to be so much more willing to contribute. So if you can create that in your culture, um, you know, then, then no ideas, no creative leaks, you won't experience any of that in your organization. So it's super key. Love it. Fantastic. And actually that brings me on very, very nicely to 
the actionable tips section. Now, of course, Excellence Expected is all about delivering actionable takeaways and, and things that people can actually implement in their working life. So Ryan, I know you've put some time into pondering some actionable tips for the listeners out there regarding millennials and Generation Y. So what have you got for the listeners today, sir? Yes. No, I think this is one of the best parts of your podcast. And I know we uh, chatted earlier, but I applaud you for the the actionable steps because it is, it's, you know, we can talk, 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 but it, you know, let's put some, let's put some rubber to the road here. Uh, I love it. Um, and so, I, yeah, I came up with a couple of things. Well, yeah, three things. And really these are, I call them the, the, the three, the three ways you can strengthen your, your bench of next generation leaders. So I think it's so key, you know, as you're, as the leader of your organization, or your business, you know, one of the key things is vision, right? We got to think, you know, where are we going in five, 10, 15 years? And, and then you got to think about, you know, who, who are the predecessors who are going to be our, our, the leaders uh, that come behind us. And I would say the, the actual tip number one uh, for leaders um, is to decide less, decide less. And by, what I mean by that is make as few decisions as possible as a leader. <laughs> and that might <laughs> jar people to think like, whoa, no, I got to make all the decisions. I'm the leader. But there's this interesting dynamic that we see, right, Mark, when, when, when as we, as, as leaders, as our businesses grow, as our, um, you know, as, as we climb the ranks and, and get promotions, the higher up we go in organizations, the less and less we know about certain areas of the business, right? The more responsibility we have, but the less that we know, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm, I've got a sales background and so I don't, I'm not really much of a finance guy, but as I climb the ladder and I own parts of my business, I need someone to do accounting. I need to just do someone digital marketing. And so as the higher we go up, the less we know. And so why we need to decide less is we need to delegate. We need to empower the people in our teams to make the decision, empower those people to make the decisions. And this works wonders for the millennial generation because they are chomping at the bit to, to take ownership of projects and make decisions and run with projects. So I, you know, I, I hear, I can, I can already hear your listeners, you know, coming back with, with uh, some rebuttals because I, because I, I do the same thing as an entrepreneur. I want to control everything. I want my hand in everything. Um, but if we really want true growth, we've got to start letting some things go. We need to make sure that we've got the right people on the bus, AKA on our team. And we need to start deciding less and empowering them more. That is fantastic. I think that is so, 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 so strong. Decide less and empower more. That that certainly thinking back to my days working in kind of the corporate world and, and you know in, in working inside a, a hierarchical organization, the feeling that no matter what you did, no matter what you decided or what your input was, it would always or could always be overruled. Mm. You know, it was so demoralized, and I think that's so so good. Fantastic advice. I love it. Right on. Well, number two. So number one is decide less. Number two is serve down. Um, and what I be, what I mean by that is, is work for your team. And, um, and I have, <laughs> Mark, there's a, uh, there's a lawn crew that's like blowing the, the leaves off my lawn in the street. So hopefully <laughs> it's been happening in like the last 10 minutes. So hopefully it hasn't been too distracting, but uh, no, not at all. We've not noticed it. Okay. But, good, uh, good, if the good, lawn good. team are listening, welcome. <laughs> I didn't think there was, yeah, welcome. I didn't think there was enough, very many leaves on my front lawn, but apparently it keeps coming by. So, uh, <laughs> interesting. All right. Um, 
Yeah, so the second point is serve down. And so I think it's so natural for us, right, when we're um, within a business and an organization is to serve our leaders, right? Look up and serve the people above us. Um, And I think that's just kind of natural. But I think what we need to start kind of reframing that and start looking down. Don't forget about the the team that you're actually leading and actually look down to them and actually, um, you know, ask them, you know, sit down, you know, invest the time at and ask them, how can I help you? And I think you really got to mean it. And then you just got to follow through on it. And so I think that, again, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about as far as, you know, if you create a, an environment where people know that um, their opinions matter and that their input is valued, they're going to they're going to bring more ideas to the table. They're going to put more effort into their work. And so that really starts with the leader. So, um, you know, make it a point to really serve down. Fantastic. So decide less and serve down. Love it. And tip number three, sir? Tip number three is um, pour more. And what I mean by that is empty your cup. And, you know, as leaders, our responsibility really is, I believe, is to empty our cup, right? We have so much experience. We have so much knowledge. And we need to impart that. We need to share that wisdom um, with the future generations, with the future leaders of our businesses and organizations. And I think especially now more than ever, I think, I think until we let go of, of knowledge and expertise that we have, we can't gain new expertise or new knowledge. And so it's really important that we just be reservoirs and not dams. Um, and, so, and so I think an easy way and tangible way to do this and something that we always encourage our clients and audiences to do is um, enter into what we call reverse mentoring roles. So find someone on your team and, and, and intentionally invest in them. Tell them stories. It doesn't have to be structured. You could just tell them stories about your career and things you're thinking about, books you're reading and the vision for this project or this uh, side of the business. Um, and then also allow them to share their, what they're passionate about or what they're working on. Or perhaps there's uh, uh, you know, a new social trend or something that you don't understand and allow that millennial to perhaps share their expertise and their perspective. And it just creates this um, great dynamic and just creates fertile ground for some, for some huge, huge growth uh, for both parties. But really, I think it's, it's easier for the leaders to initiate that type of relationship. I think that's fantastic and a fantastic idea. I love the idea of being, you know, so much more collaborative outside of the hierarchy. You know, the idea of a CEO working with the new new recruit and just just shooting stories around. I love that idea and the the kind of vision that that brings into my mind of of people just collaborating almost without realizing it. I think that's so yeah. so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's super. So, one more time, just to recap as a list, sir, if you don't mind. Yes. So you want to, uh, number one, decide less. Number two, serve down. And then number three, pour more. And we believe that those three things can really strengthen um, the bench of the future leaders of your organization. Ryan, thank you so much. That's fantastic. Such strong advice. And I think it certainly opened my eyes much more to how businesses can structure themselves to just to leverage and, and harness some of the passion and the desire that this generation has. And I think that that is a fantastic episode. And anyone listening out there, if you do have any thoughts, by all means, jump over onto the comments and uh, you know let's collaborate and share a little further on that one. Ryan, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. If you wouldn't mind, tell people where they can find you online, sir. 
Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Mark. It was it was uh, my pleasure. And yeah, your listeners, if they go to ryan-jenkins.com, that's R-Y-A-N-Jenkins.com, they can uh, they can find um, connect with me on any social network there. Uh, they can sign up for um, our blog updates. We post uh, two brand new blogs every week. And then we also have a podcast every month where we um, we interview some of today's most uh, you know greatest thought leaders on some of the trends and um, how they're leveraging next generation tools, trends, and talent. Love it, Ryan Jenkins dot com listeners, head on over there and check out Ryan's blog. You'll not be disappointed. It's fantastic. I have had a delve into that myself. Thank you once again, sir. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the time. No, real pleasure. My pleasure. And as ever, listeners, thank you so much for joining me on Excellence Expected. And just like normal, I will be publishing all of the show notes from today's fantastic episode with Ryan over at excellence-expected.com. Now, before we leave, something a little different and actually something new. You guys know that I'm all about bringing value to you and helping you and empowering you to take action based on the topics that we speak about every single week. And so... From Wednesday, you can download a brand new episode every single week, every single Wednesday called Resources and Reflections, which is me giving my views on the topic that we've just spoken about earlier in any given week and sharing my top resources and my extra added value content for you, the listeners out there, who I thank again as ever for joining me. So look out for that this Wednesday, Resources and Reflections, and I hope you find it so, so valuable and it helps you take action every single week until next time don't forget the more you expect from yourself the more you will excel